Hey there, I'm Casey, and I play Fandrin uh, as a half-elf rogue, and... Uh, I don't actually... Yeah, th this is what he did yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't actually remember how we... I don't remember how Chandler started either. It was just like him explaining his character for just a hot second, and then I think we literally are just like, oh, I didn't think about how to get into this. And you'd think after making that mistake once, I would have come prepared, but I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's the one that's going to release. Uh, okay, so yeah, let, let's jump in. Uh, oh my God, did you hear that? That was my back. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's jump in and uh, kind of do like a little deep dive into Fandrin for just a second before we get into like the main story here and uh, whenever we do that. <laughs> Wow, yeah, maybe I'll find a more graceful way out of that sentence in the edit, huh? <laughs> Fandrin, this is it. One more night in town before you board the ship again and head to the Ark. As if the crowded ship that brought you here from the Sword Coast wasn't bad enough, it's an absolute wonder you were able to keep your food down that whole journey with how choppy the waters were and how easily the small vessel was tossed about. Your childhood fascination with watercraft subsided on your eighth birthday, as you watched silently from the Neverwinter shore while your mother's body, carefully laid in a small boat filled with flowers, drifted into the Sea of Swords. It was several weeks later when Tram stopped you from making what could have been a grave mistake. He took you under his wing. Not that bugbears have wings, it's a metaphor, but he gave you knowledge, experience. What was the first thing that Tram taught you? Uh, so the first day that Tram, like, started teaching Fandrin stuff, he gave him uh, Histramo's three rules of strategic possession acquisition. <laughs> the first rule is always go after the big guy. The uh, you know the little guy. Everyone expects you to go after the little guy, right? Because they're small and defenseless. So the little guys like expect to be targeted. So they always have like extra security precautions. They're always more prepared. They're more crafty when it comes to like self defense and like out of necessity. Yeah, out of necessity because they're so small because they've been targeted their whole life. The big guys always think that their stature like deters thieving and they never expect to get got. So they just like saunter around with their with their guards down. That's like surprisingly insightful. <laughs> his uh, his second rule of strategic possession acquisition was dress normal. <laughs> if someone sees you like skulking around in a hood or dark clothes in broad daylight, they're going to assume that you're up to something. So you're not going to be able to, like, every, everyone's going to be looking at you. You wear, like, a, a safety vest. Yeah. 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 Wear a, wear a safety vest and maybe, like, a, like a letterman's jacket. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I had friends in Portland who used to wear uh, safety vests and hard hats to do graffiti uh, because everyone would assume that they were paid to do it if they were wearing the OSHA-approved <laughs> gear. <laughs> Uh, and, and rule number three was trust no one. That that tracks. Uh, just plain and simple. Sorry, what is the uh, what is what did he call these rules again? Histramo's three rules of strategic possession acquisition. You were a student of Histramo's spa. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the spa, Tram taught you a lot of things. Uh, he made you a successful thief by age sixteen. And he was so big that he easily drew your mark's attention while you picked their pockets or cleaned out their shop stalls. And you were a good team, like a great one, actually. And you were more than that. You were friends. How you were brothers. That's why it hurt so badly when he did it. What happened between the two of you? The main thing that happens between any two thieves, it all came down to money. <laughs> the web 
the big thieves guild in uh, in Neverwinter, they see all that goes on. Like you can't just steal from anybody without the web knowing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know they had they had eyes on Fan, and they saw his his potential. And one night they approached Tram, and they were like, "Hey, if you sell out your buddy, literally sell out your buddy, <laughs> we will give you enough to retire." You can get out of the slums. You can get out of Neverwinter. You can go live your life and do whatever you want. All you got to do is just give up your pal. And sure, Tram essentially helped raise Fan and turned him into the thief that he would become. But money's money. Uh, if you get a you know enough dollar signs, you're gonna do whatever those benefactors say. Yeah, money was finally good enough. It, it didn't matter. That you lost your partner because you you gained knowledge, a lesson. You learned not to rely on anyone else too much, to guard yourself and, and reserve your trust. You hadn't intended to be involved with the web, but once you were in the thick of it, you realized that there were few other members that could hold a candle to your skill. When Tram rode out of Neverwinter, you were a fly, ensnared. But within three years, you earned the name Ghost Spider. What earned you that moniker? You know, as a, as a, a half elf, you're caught between two worlds. He didn't get those tall genes, <laughs> so he was always smaller in stature, so he could sneak around easier without being seen. And growing up in the slums of Neverwinter, he learned how to hide because he was so good at uh, misdirection and just just like disappearing. And, and yeah, and just disappearing. Uh, and just like keeping out of everyone's eye, they called him the ghost spider because he could get in and out without ever being seen. Your skills at vanishing were nearly unparalleled in the web. And the head of the web, the tarantula, trusted you implicitly because of it. And the two of you had a mutual respect, if nothing else. Waterdeep, the Highmore, even Baldur's Gate's web members answered to you as the tarantula's right hand. But you were missing something, weren't you? And that's why you went to find him, your birth father. Did you get to meet him? No. The only person that he interacted with was the gatekeeper at Evereska, which was the elven stronghold where his father lived. Fan wasn't allowed through the gate. The gatekeeper wouldn't let him through. Fan could just look through the gate and see inside and like look around and see the couple elves that were beyond the gate and were standing up in the watchtowers, but having never met his father, he wouldn't know what to look for. You know, he wouldn't know Mm -hmm. what he looked like. For all he knew, his father could have been one of the ones standing up on the, on the watchtower, like looking, looking down, Mm -hmm. but he got turned away. Yeah. And I, I think we see you now in the present just reflecting on that moment for what seems like the 10th time this week and leaning against the rail at Versen Pier, just staring at the ship that will take you north tomorrow and you're eating some little fried dough ball that you snatched from a naive and easily flattered baker in South Fork. What's your plan now? Are you really going to do as the tarantula asked and try to convince the thieves of the archipelago to join with the web? No. Yeah, uh, no. It might be some thieves, like, dream to join the web, but Fan was fine just being his own guy. 
free agent. Yeah, being a free agent, you know, not being tied down to anybody. And if he's going to be tied down to someone, like, he's going to be the one in charge. He's going to have people working for him. But if that's not an option, then he's not going to, you know, dance to someone else's fiddle. Yeah. So, no, fans, can, he's going to go to the archipelago and disappear. Just get off the web's radar and not look back. They might come for him, they might not, but he'll cross that bridge when he gets to it. He's he's done with the web. He's his own man now. You're a man now, Fandrin. <laughs> <laughs> Get more of Casey and his character Fandrin on Vibe Proficiency, a D&D podcast about death, falling out of windows, and uh, not really being into the whole party dynamic, I guess. Coming this summer to wherever you happen to find your podcasts. Until then. Everybody buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a nat 20. Ooh, Get fucked. I really hope you roll horrible and whack Peck right in the head with the door. <laughs> Did you just fall out a window? I leapt out a window, yes. <laughs> You're both just the worst people. This is coming from Casey. <laughs> Fuck. That's oh, a seven. No. <laughs> Seven's not bad. I already forgot everyone's names. <laughs> <laughs> I'll barricade the door while you're over there. Is this when fantasy Chris Hansen comes in? <laughs> How many times have you joked after a six-page next story? It's all gonna happen. He immediately <laughs> dies. Hey, I'm Casey, and I play Fan. Uh, he's a half-elf, right? Is he a half-elf? Uh, yep. Okay, all right. <laughs> I will take that from the top again.